Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today as we wrap up the week here on Friday, September 18th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. A drone can be a handy tool for managing a cattle herd. I'm Jessica Dommel. I'll have more coming up. Fall in Texas is a great time to plant. We're going to talk about what we can plant and why we plant at this time of the year. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about fall planting in Texas. Demand for U.S. pork on the rise in Vietnam and the Philippines. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, along with Texas wildlife news and a complete wrap-up of today's markets. All of that's coming up, but first, here's a look at news headlines. The drought situation in the panhandle is not only putting pressure on farmers, it's also giving ranchers something to think about. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Inadequate rainfall hasn't hurt just row crops like corn and cotton. Drought in the panhandle has also undermined grazing lands. And Dr. Gaiman Hellman says that poses concerns for pregnant cows and their future offspring. Those calves that are born in the winter and early spring could certainly have problems in terms of their nutritional state once they hit the ground because that's all coming from the mama cow. And if she doesn't have a lot to give, then when that calf hits the ground, he's not going to have a lot to start off with. But Hellman says ranchers can seek to correct the nutritional deficits their mama cows might be suffering. Basically, it's good quality roughage. Maybe you need to supplement them a bit more going into the winter with protein cubes, better quality hay, those sorts of things. Dr. Hellman is resident director of the local Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab, which has just relocated from Amarillo to new facilities in Canyon. I'm James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cattle feeding has not been a profitable business lately, but there is the potential for feeding profits before the year is over. Brady Miller with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says cattle feeders may be in the black soon. You know, we would hope that maybe in the fourth quarter we could see some profits come in here, uh, dip back up. It's not going to be huge profits, but maybe we can uh, see a few profits, see a little bit better profits here. With the huge drop in placements this spring because of COVID-19, Miller says we may have a shortage of available cattle soon, which should help to move fed cattle prices to profitable levels. A drone can be a handy tool in managing a cattle herd. Jessica Domel tells how. Drones, or unmanned aerial vehicles, allow us to get a bird's eye view at crops, cities, events, and even natural disasters. They come in many shapes and sizes and are getting more affordable. They allow operators the opportunity to watch, 
in real time the area they're flying over via a smartphone or tablet application while recording the video or photos for later reference. During a recent session at the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's annual convention, Dr. Megan Clayton, range specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, said ranchers are now flying drones to access difficult-to-reach areas and to better manage their herd and land. You could certainly check your fence lines, your roads, feeders, and waters to make sure that they're all adequate for your livestock. It's really a good tool to get a good visual view very quickly, especially when you're very comfortable with your place and you start to get more comfortable with flying. You'll be able to know the angle and how you best want to record this. Also, it's nice you can manually locate missing animals. That can be a little bit difficult with brush, but that's one way you could kind of find where your herd is at least to kind of start out there to look for them. You can also do some herding, which is is quite popular if you look around the internet. Dr. Clayton said although ranchers do herd with their drones, there is some concern that if you herd continually with a drone, if you use the drone for other uses, the cattle will move away from it. A lot of people do use them for herding, and if that's one of your major uses for it, then know that that's definitely a possibility. Also, animal health. We used drones to detect whether or not estrotech tags were scratched, indicating that that cow was not bred, and you would know that you would need to bring the herd in to rebreed or put a bull back into that pasture. So that's one way that you could get a very easy aerial view of what's happening with those estrotech patches instead of trying to look up over the cows as you drive or walk through the pasture. Drones can even make it easier to spot weed or brush encroachment issues. We're looking at ways that we can automate this system, which would be really cool for management decisions. But right now you can certainly get a bird's eye view and you'll know by ground truthing what those weeds or brush are. And you can see the extent of their encroachment in that pasture to know, you know, whether you want to pull the trigger as far as treating them or doing something about it. Using a drone to take aerial photos or videos of your land can help you track the way that landscape changes over time and take action if necessary. Now, also you can use drones for insurance documentation. So basically just keep an eye on issues that you have, know what equipment and things you have on your property, know the condition that they were in in case anything ever happened that you would need to file a claim for. You would have that all done through your drone. Dr. Clayton said a decent drone now costs around $1,000, depending on its features. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. Fall is a great time to plant here in Texas. Horticulturalist John Begno has the details from San Angelo. Well, this is considered a great time of the year to plant. Trees, shrubs, gardens, a lot of things. And it's partly because it's cooling down and plants like to get established in weather like this. Also, because this is the wet season for many parts of Texas, if you think about winter, our winter is so variable from Amarillo, the north part of Texas, all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley where it seldom freezes. So the planting season might extend a, a whole month longer down in south Texas. So let's start with trees. The reason it's good for trees because they can grow roots during the winter in most of Texas when soil temperatures are above 45 degrees. So choose an adapted type of tree that will grow fine even during the hot summers in Texas or under your water conditions, and especially that fits your soil. So you might get a good recommendation from your local nurseries, county extension office, or just see what's growing in landscapes. And also other woody plants like your shrubs. If they're not going to be susceptible to damage by freeze, then you can go ahead and plant them right now, and they too will get established before next year's summer's heat. Perennial flowers like 
lantana hibiscus. We like to dress up the color in our summer landscapes. We probably do not plant from the middle part of the state on up north because they can die easily with a cold winter. In the southern part of Texas, sure, you can plant them year-round. Now's the time for cool season annual mums, snapdragons, pansies. doesn't have to be colorful flowers. It could be colorful foliage like the cabbage and the kale. It's also a great time to plant your cool season vegetables, and those can be everything from lettuce to radishes and all those sorts of things. So do a little research before you plant, but you've got now till late October to do a lot of great planting in Texas. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. Demand for U.S. pork is on the rise in two Asian countries. Tom Nicoletti has more. Vietnam and the Philippines are among several southeastern Asian nations dealing with the impact of African swine fever on their domestic pork production. ASF was first confirmed in Vietnam in February 2019, leading to a significant reduction in its swine herd and a sharp increase in Vietnam's demand for imported pork. Vietnam has historically been largely self-sufficient in pork production, but in 2020 through the month of July, Exports of U.S. pork to Vietnam nearly tripled year-over-year to 11,155 metric tons, up 173%. Export value more than tripled to $24.2 million, up 212%. We get more now from Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We look at U.S. pork exports to Southeast Asia, which are sharply higher this year due to the impact of African swine fever in several countries. This is especially true in Vietnam, which is traditionally reliant on domestic pork, but where U.S. exports have nearly tripled this year. Sabrina Yin, USMEF director in the region, has more details. Vietnam was the first country to uh, being uh, uh, identified with African swine fever for my Southeast Asia region. And since then, we have watched closely and talked very closely with the importer on having the opportunity to export more U.S. pork into Vietnam. And the most important message we realize that we have to emphasize to the Vietnamese customer is the safety and how all meat products that are inspected by USDA for safety and wholesomeness. So those are the, uh, the, the important message that we have always bring across to our region. We are unable to bring any buyers to the U.S. for the time being. But nevertheless, uh, we still continue to feed the importers with messages, with information about the U.S. industry. The impact of African swine fever took longer to surface in the Philippines, but domestic pork supplies are tightening and U.S. exports to the Philippines turned sharply higher this summer. Yin says this is a high-volume market where Philippine processors look to the United States as a consistent and reliable pork supplier. For the Philippines, they have been using our U.S. pork as raw material for their uh, processed meat product for a long time. This is also one of the good opportunities that they, they really look towards to the U.S. side because on the uh, consistency in quality and also quantity. Quantity is a very important factor. This is something that they will really depend on U.S. pork. For the U.S. Meat Export Federation, I'm Joe Sheely. According to USMEF, the Philippines is a well-established destination for U.S. pork, and buyers there recognize the U.S. industry as a reliable, consistent supplier. U.S. exports to the Philippines got off to a slow start in 2020, but picked up significantly in June and July. For January through July, exports were steady, 
while value increased 8% to $54.3 million. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A second round of the coronavirus food assistance program will begin Monday with sign-up for eligible producers. Rod Bain has more from Washington. Starting Monday, eligible producers can sign up for the latest round of the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Starting next week, my administration is committing additional relief to help farmers. President Donald Trump Thursday in Wisconsin, making the announcement of an additional $14 billion for ag producers facing market disruptions and associated costs related to COVID-19. Much of that in direct payments. Also, more commodities are eligible under CFAP, too. Something Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue told the National Farmers Union recently, USDA has been working on based on producer input. This is an example of government working for the people. We asked for your input and we listened and we updated the program based on the comments that we received. Sign up will run through December 11th. More details on CFAP2 and sign up are available online at www.farmers.gov slash CFAP. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. You could win a one-of-a-kind hunting and fishing extravaganza. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. And early diagnosis and treatment of respiratory disease is important for the long-term health of cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Early diagnosis and treatment of respiratory disease is important for the long-term health of cattle. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Dr. Dan Cummings with Boringer indicates in Beef Magazine that nursing calves infected with respiratory disease could weigh up to 36 pounds less at weaning than their healthy herd mates. That may not seem like a lot, but a replacement heifer that was infected as a young calf will breed later in life, produce less milk, and is more likely to be culled. Bovine respiratory disease is mostly a problem for feedlot and stocker operations, but cow-calf producers should also be concerned, as almost 20% of nursing calves will develop pneumonia. To identify sick calves, Dr. Cummings has developed what he calls the DART, or DART, protocol. The D in DART stands for depression as a sick calf will have droopy ears and hold the head lower than normal. The A stands for appetite, as these calves usually have a reduced appetite and are slow coming up to eat and not nursing frequently. The R in DART is respiration, as these calves usually cough and have labored breathing and flared nostrils as they breathe. The T in DART stands for temperature, and most of these calves with pneumonia will have an increased temperature over 104 degrees Fahrenheit. However, all calves don't always have all of these symptoms, so your veterinarian can diagnose these cases early by listening to the lungs with a stethoscope or using an ultrasound to examine the lung fields. 
The antibiotic you choose should be determined by culture of the organism from calves that do not survive. However, it is important to make sure the antibiotic you choose initially covers the bacteria Mannheimi hemolytica, Pastorella multocida, Histophila somni, and Mycoplasma bovis. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You could win a one-of-a-kind hunting and fishing extravaganza. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has added a new hunting and fishing extravaganza to its big-time Texas Hunts drawings this year. The Powderhorn Cast and Blast offers the winner and a guest the opportunity to hunt for white-tailed deer, exotics, and waterfowl on the 17,000-plus acre Powderhorn Wildlife Management Area in Calhoun County. The package includes a guided fishing trip along 11 miles of Matagorda Bayfront, all bait, tackle, cleaning, and packaging of your catch. The winner and his or her guest will enjoy complimentary meals and lodging in an historic ranch house that overlooks the bay and will have access to the expertise of WMA staffers to guide them through both trips. Access to the wildlife management area is limited, so the trips are a real opportunity for the winner and guest. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the property, which was donated to the department in 2018, provides habitat for hundreds of species of birds and animals, including endangered whooping cranes. There are nine other premium hunt packages available in this year's big-time Texas hunts. They include a wild hog adventure, big-time bird hunt, exotic safari, gator hunt, nilgai antelope safari, premium buck hunt, ultimate mule deer hunt, and Texas Grand Slam. Cost is $9 per entry. There's a $5 online administrative fee, but you may enter several times in a single transaction and only pay the one fee. The deadline to enter for any of the big-time Texas hunts is October 15th. Funds from the drawing benefit public hunting opportunities and wildlife habitat conservation in Texas. You can purchase entries on the hunting page on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market traded higher today and we saw a very big jump in the Kansas City wheat market. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We had a higher trade in the cattle futures complex to wrap up the week here on Friday. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle up 57 cents, 107.35. December up 52, 111.85. February live cattle up 32 cents, 116.07. October feeder cattle up 97 cents, 142.42. November feeders up 32 cents, 142.52. 
Stepping over to the cash markets now, we'll start with Fed cattle. It paid to hold off this week. Early in the week, we saw some cattle sales at 103. A lot of feedlots balked at that, and it paid off. We ended up getting 2 to $3 higher here later in the week. Prices reached as high as 106 in Iowa, 105 in Kansas. Dressed cattle in Nebraska selling at 163 on the rail. Boxed beef prices were higher, choice up 57 cents, 215.62, select up 60 cents, 203.99. Checking a couple of feeder cattle auctions now, Columbus Livestock in Columbus, Texas, selling 1,176 head yesterday. The trend was steady to higher, two to three weight steers, $1.50 to 202. Three to four weights, a dollar thirty-five to a dollar ninety-seven. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar ninety-two. Five to six weight steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar five to a dollar thirty-five. With seven to eight weight steers, ninety to a dollar thirty-three a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty-two to sixty-five cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-five to eighty-six. Stocker cows brought five fifty to eleven fifty ahead. Cow calf pairs seven fifty to fourteen twenty five a pair. Grosbeck auction and livestock in Grosbeck sold six hundred fifty head yesterday. Three to four weight steers a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty six. Four to five weights a dollar forty to a dollar seventy. Five to six weight steers a dollar twenty five to a dollar fifty. Six to seven weights a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty four. Seven to eight weight steers a dollar fifteen to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughtered cows, 33 to 67 cents. Slaughtered bulls, 75 to 93. Stocker cows, 600 to 850 a head. Cow-calf pairs brought 800 to $1,000 a pair. Back over to the futures market. Lean hogs closed the day lower. October down 2 cents, 66.50. December lean hogs down 10, closing at 63.52. October class 3 milk up 53 cents, 19.51 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower. The market's still trying to digest the news coming out of Hurricane Sally, trying to determine if we got as much damage as we thought we would. Early reports seem to indicate that it was not as bad as it could have been regarding damage on that southeastern cotton crop. But, of course, we're still going to have to wait and see how that comes out. Of course, you always have to keep in mind that this time of year, harvest getting underway in much of the cotton belt. So we'll always have that harvest pressure weighing on the market here through the rest of the year. October cotton down 19 points, 64.16. December down 19, 65.66. A big jump in Kansas City wheat. A lot of that coming from spillover support out of the soy complex. China in the market for a lot of soybeans here over the last few weeks. That has boosted bean prices and pulled the wheat market up with it. Wheat exports, been looking pretty good there as well. So that has helped out on the prices also. July, Kansas City wheat. That's the new crop contract. Up 16 cents, closing at 526 and three quarters. December corn up three and a quarter. It closed at 378 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas up two cents, 207. October crude oil up three at $41 a barrel. 
Well, that is a wrap-up on our markets, and that's a wrap-up for this week on Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us for all the latest news in Texas agriculture. We'll be right back with you here on Monday. Be sure to tune in, subscribe, leave us a rating or a view. We'd really appreciate it. See you next week right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.